Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Film Review. Movies, music, culture, politics, society, podcast. Interviews, movie reviews, and more. Live Sundays at 5.30 p.m. on Facebook at Crazon Dion. Hey, everybody. This is Lunell, the original bad girl of comedy. I'm here at the Link Promenade in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're watching the film review. Here we are, people, with another great episode of the film review. Movies, music, culture, politics, and society. This is our 100th episode. Wow. That's one, zero, zero, or one, zero, zero. How you looking at it? The 100th episode, people. The 100th episode of the film review. Movies, music, culture, politics, and society. We are the husband and wife team. I'm Crazy D. I'm Tracy. And we review movies, music, culture, politics, yep. and society. And you can see us live streaming right now on the Film Review Live channel on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. We're also on another popular social media site, live streaming, where we originally started, right? And we're also on Blog Talk Radio, the the chime in line, in case you want to call in and communicate on our 100th episode, 213-943-3358. That's 213-943-3358. And do we have a jam-packed show? It's fitting, because this is a good show. Yeah, we're reviewing some really, really good films. Some really, really, really good, films. good films. As yes. you know, we're going to be reviewing Who Killed Malcolm X, yes. right? That's that new Netflix original docu-series, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about Corsonic. Right. We're going to be talking about Bloom Houses. Right. Uh, Fantasy Island. Yes. And we're going to be talking about a personal favorite. Yes. The photograph. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So we've got a lot to talk about. This has been a real interesting uh, Valentine's Day weekend. Yeah, it has been. Quite interesting. Quite interesting, (laughs) just to say the least about it, right? So let's get started here. Let's get started. Well, first of all... Go ahead. Um, Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj, her song "Yikes" uh-huh. is nice. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, nice. let's start with some music because there's yeah. been some new music releases that came out, right? Also, people, if you really want to hear some great hip hop music yeah. that has the hip hop bona fides, you know, if you watch, of course you do. Right. The film review, music review show, you know, on there I lay out with the hip hop bona fides is in episodes one through 
three, I repeat it. So in the later episodes, I don't have to repeat it. So go back and watch episodes one through 10 of the Film Review Music Review Show and you will see what makes great hip hop, what hip hop bona fides is and what type of lyrics have to be said. But for great hip hop, Bona Fides, yeah. Roddy Rich's Antisocial. Oh, yeah, his album is nice. That's right. His album is yeah. nice, right? And we want to shout out to Abdul Rahim Mohammed. Okay. You know, he uh, reacted to my comment about okay. coming on tonight to review mm-hmm. uh, Who Killed Malcolm X. He gave it a heart on Twitter. Okay. If you're not connected to me on Twitter, it's real simple. It's during the DVD days that I came up with the handle, mm-hmm. and it's Crazy D DVD. When I used to author DVDs before mm-hmm. everything went digital, mm-hmm. Crazy D DVD on Twitter. Also on the IG game. If you're not following us on the IG, you're missing out on a lot of different topics yep. and subtopics that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Movie for Life Girl. Right. That's her and movie reviews, because I mean we don't quite review them, but we kind of give you, we'll give you a, a taste of our opinion. Yeah, yeah. After we, seeing after the film, after seeing the film, so yeah. uh, it's movie girl for life. That's right. number four, the numeral right. four life. Right. And crazy D film dude. So right. make sure that you follow both of those uh, profiles yes. on IG and. Crazy D DVD on Twitter. Right. All right. So let's see what else we want to do. Uh, like you said, you talked about the Nicki Minaj record. Okay. Yeah, Yikes is a good song. I mean, of course, her lyrical skills mm-hmm. jump out. Yes. The music is nice. It's nice. So now, you know, I'm waiting for her album. I'm looking forward to hearing her album. But I don't know. It's just weird. So Nicki Minaj, she announced that she would be doing the album. And then all of a sudden, everyone else, you know, who wants to come out and say they're doing an album, album also, so I'm just right, like, okay. Right. But hey, follow the leader. Okay. So, people, there are a couple of shows on OWN that we're not going to review, but we're just going to yeah. tell you, you should be watching these shows, right? In the blurbs, right. Cherish the Day. It's yeah. an anthology, right? Yeah. Uh, it's starring uh, Sosha, I can't even pronounce her last name. Rock You More. That's what it is. Socia Rock You More. Um, Evan Fisher uh, and Cicely Tyson is also in the uh, piece, right? Right. But it's Alano Miller plays Evan Fisher. Let's get that right, right? Can't read my own chicken stretch. Brings the feeling one has when first meeting, dating your soulmate. Yeah. So definitely watch this. This is another creation by Ava DuVernay. Yeah. And it's on OWN TV, right? Yeah, they they really do a good job capturing, like, the emotions. The emotions. Like, the stages that you go through when you first start, like, when you meet someone, when you start dating. Um, you're kind of, like, insecure as far as not sure, not sure. what you should and shouldn't say. Shouldn't. Protecting your emotions. Mm-hmm. You don't want to... Uh, would offend them so I mean but you don't want to be offended exactly and she does a really great really great job Ava DuVernay so what's great what's great about the show is it's an anthology so that means time will pass in this relationship like when you first meet them right it's like a year before they meet again and then the next episode 
it's down the road a year right. later. Yeah. And and so it goes on it's and then nice. each each season is gonna be a new a different couple. Right. So that's you know that's what what I love about that show is that's different. It's different. I don't think of I don't think that any other show I better drink some water. I'm thirsty. See that's why you have to say Hydrated. Executive produced by 50 Cents on ABC is For Life, right? Oh, yes, excellent. Nicholas Pinnock right. is the uh, starring role of Aaron Wallace. Right. Joy Bryant, you remember her from uh, Get Rich or Die Trying right. movie. As well as, she's been in so many yeah, other but films. Yeah, but you know, you but know her. When you see her, her you, around, I really right? think of that film the most. Yeah. Marie. Right. Uh, Tyler Harris plays Jasmine. Right? Yeah. And Dorian Missick plays Jamal. And then 50 Cent, they didn't list who 50 Cent plays, but he's, he makes an appearance right. in the show down the road. But this right. is a excellent, the premise is yes. set up beautifully in the first episode, yes. and it's a weekly episodic series. Based on a true story. Based on a true Amazing story. Amazing story. The opening episode of, of the episodic gem executive produced by 50 Cent exposes some uncomfortable truths for life. That's what we'll say about that. All right, people. But you know what? First, before we move on, I Uh need to say, okay, so we reviewed Briar's Patch. Yes, we did. Previous episode. We did. And I feel the same about for life as far as it's like, you feel like you're watching a movie, mm-hmm. you know, so it's written so well, right. you know, and the, the cast is great, the acting is great. So I'm like, oh, wait a minute, this is ABC, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and you're like, okay, it's over with already. I'm expecting two hours because it feels like you're watching the film. That's right. So the two so, film and the two shows, Cherish the Day right. and For Life, make sure that you. Check these out. The one is on ABC for right. life, and then Cherish the Day is on OWN Network, yes. right? Yep. People have a way of bouncing back, even though they're having difficulties in the media right now. But they have, but it, their thing keeps going on and on. So that's you know okay. what? And Cherish the Day, um, I love the music. Mm-hmm. You know? Sade, so, you can't go wrong. Yeah. I mean, but no, the whole soundtrack isn't just right. Sade. Right. But it, it, it puts you in the feel of what you will be listening to during that period. In that period, right. All right, people. And so, it also introduces you to new music, also. Yeah, it does. And so, this, and classic music. Yeah. I mean, they really put, they really put combination into of everything. It. Yeah, yeah. That's a high awesome. budget. Yeah. People. Okay. Jesse Smollett okay. indicted by a special prosecutor. Like I said on my Twitter, Crazy D DVD, right. he should cop a mental illness. He should cop to mental illness because something is definitely going wrong. Yeah. To have yeah. done something like that. Yeah. Like something is definitely going wrong. Yeah. And he needs to uh, cop yes. to that and. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because instead of well, we talked about this with R. Kelly also, though. Right. 
I mean, maybe the best treatment for them would be mental health, kind of like with the opioids epidemic. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So instead of just throwing Join them jail in jail, because give them I, some mental health. Because obviously, R. Kelly's situation is something mental. Right. It's not something criminal. Right. So he should be. Uh, put into a place where he can help. talk this out. Right. We just finished watching that uh, movie about Shia LaBeouf. Oh, yeah, yeah. And how he was acting Honey out. Boy. And they sent him to psychiatry instead yeah. of the criminal justice system to right. roll out what made him tick right. to be to be acting out on such right. a high level. Right. And I think that's the same thing yeah. that should happen with R. Kelly. Honestly. Right. And Jesse right. Smollett. And Juicy. Juicy Smollett. That's, that's what they call him. But I wouldn't call him. Isn't that. it Juicy? Call him How do you pronounce his name? Is spelled Jesse, Jesse Smollett. Right. Not Juicy. Okay. So... Okay, so he deserves. Uh, he, well, he needs clearly. It was a mental breakdown with him, also because he didn't harm anyone either, right? No, he didn't harm. Well, so, no, that's in the eyes of the beholder. If R. Kelly harmed anyone, no, I'm talking about uh, Jesse Smollett. Right, right. But you said he didn't harm anybody either. And, you know, I'm talking all, about well, Jesse Smollett didn't harm anyone. No, he didn't harm. Well, but uh, R. Kelly, he harmed the Chicago. Okay, so right? let's not the go into. Okay, so I'm sure many, many people have stories to tell about the Chicago Police Department and innocent people being harmed. So let's not even go there. But they harmed them. They wasted their time. It was other cases that they usually don't solve anyway that they needed to have a manpower on to solve. Right? I'm just saying. Can't let one get away, can we? we can't let one get away. Anyway. Alright, people. So further in the blurbs as we go further, right? Bloomberg okay. is running for president. I'm sure that is no no uh revelation Speaking to of anyone. Post traumatic stress disorder. You know, stop and frisk. Stop and frisk. Every Let damn me, day. Listen. You know, a, a young, you know black men, Latino men. Indian men, any men, a dark complexion. How about black men? Yeah, but going back and forth every day, worrying about going to school. Because didn't I see a child being a teenager? I mean, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. He apologized before he ran. Okay, so didn't Bill Clinton apologize for slavery? But does that make it okay? Well, I I, I think they all looking for elbow room. But we're going to get to that. Look, people. Bloomberg is telling American blacks who he is, but are American blacks listening? Crime has to do, now listen, crime has to do with the lack of jobs. The crackdown on illegal immigration has opened the job opportunities for American blacks, you know, to find a job, right? Now that might be an in- that might be something that was unintentional by Trump's policies, but the Trump policy is different than the Democrat policy, which they are strictly for mm-hmm. illegal immigrants. Now, not even just immigrants, because like we told you before last week, Barbara Jordan right. had already told us that 
uh, back in the 90s with the Jordan Report okay. that immigration was a problem for black people, right? Okay. And so now the Democrats are totally on illegal immigration. You have to go back to our previous show, 99. Right. We laid that out. We're not right. going back. We're going to keep moving forward, 2020. right? Mm-hmm. Weighing the importance. Let's weigh the importance of what's going on. Okay. Bloomberg stop and frisk okay. to remove guns from quote-unquote minorities. Okay. Uh, more police. Kind of like Clinton in the 90s with the crime bill, right? Three strikes, more police on the street. Right. Trump not allowing minorities in his building properties to live. So-called minorities. Now, I'm putting my quote-unquote minorities, right? Okay. In his building's property to live uh, at, at the uh, at that that was at the behest of his white clientele. Now, when I say white, I'm not just talking about people who would be classified. Away. I'm talking about people who have the white mentality, okay? Because now I will throw in the Indian people who are didn't go through chattel slavery here, and they come in and they're considered they could be darker than me, but be considered uh, white, right? So the white mentality, right? Are we able to weigh which is worse for American blacks? One, you were thrown up against the wall, you were searched, right? Because there's levels to bigotry and racism. Well, some people um, were not just well thrown against the wall this harsh enough, but were um, incarcerated. Incarcerated. Some say that you know were like touched, touched inappropriately, um, slammed, injured, yeah. you know, yeah. heads knocked around. I mean. And um, these were people of all ages. People of all ages, right? Yeah. And, and young, is, old. Young, old, right? And they they did this to these people, right? To right. to black people, right? I'm people, sure, men and women, women, right? Men and women, right? They, they wouldn't they wouldn't tell you that, right? Okay. So, if Trump is a racist, I mean, we're just weighing. Then does that make Bloomberg? Bloomberg has to be the grand dragon, right? Fear isn't a good reason to vote, yeah. right? Fear is not a good reason to vote or to caucus, right? Or to endorse. Bobby Rush, former Black Panther, endorsed Bloomberg. Did Rush forget the black liberation theology? Which we're going to be talking about that, right? That's our topic for tonight, about black liberation theology. Uh, Did he forget what the Black Panther stood for? He endorses a man who believes black people are minorities, right? Um... And he didn't apologize until he decided to run. Into the run, right? And he... And the definition of a minority in legal and uh, government terms, he doesn't believe that black people, American blacks, can take care of themselves. So, thus and so, 
he said that, you know, we have to get out there and do something they can't do. Take the guns, disarm them of the guns right. so that they can remain safe, right? Right. Let's put the minority classification to rest, though. Yeah. Always remember, those who did the work are the ones who invent inventions which make easier and make easier and not endless toil happen while doing the work. Right. Here are some examples that I have uh, right here that we're going to bring up real quick. This, this is very important that we understand the difference between people who did the work and those who profited from the work and still profit from the work. So it's very important that we stay with this. Now, let me bring this up real quick and we're gonna bring this up so that you can see it right here. All right, now, drop this down. Okay. All right, people, these are black inventions by uh, black inventors. I'm gonna go through a few, but you can see that this is a whole list and we have this on the Crazy D Film Dude right. uh, profile on uh, IG on Instagram, right? Air conditioning unit, right. Frederick M. Jones. The air conditioning unit, right? What were they doing? They were just being hot, and you know they couldn't figure that out. The almanac, Benjamin Banneker. Right. When you want to know what the weather is going to be yeah. twenty years out, you go to an almanac, right. and, and or the next year, and you go to the almanac, and that was created by Benjamin Banneker because he was putting in the work, right? Auto cut off switch, okay. Granville T. Woods, right? Auto fishing device. George Cook, you, you know the Lincoln commercial where you see um, the Lincoln lawyer. Mm -hmm. He's out there. What's his name? Uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, right. and he goes out there and he sets up this fishing rod in the ice, and then when the fish catches the hook, a flag goes up. That is an auto fishing device. Oh, okay. Baby buggy. Okay. William H. Richardson, wow. right? Yeah. A biscuit cutter, Alexander P. Ashbourne. Blood plasma bag, okay. Charles Drew. Yeah. Chamber commode, Thomas Elkins, okay. right? So that's, that allows you to flush the... Yeah. Mm -hmm. the it's at the top and you pull it. Right. Right. So people, what did they do? Dump the poop in the they ground? Dump, in dump, the they used grain? to take it and dump it outside in a hole in a ditch and then cover it up. But here's an invention. Black, American black inventors, right? Well, you can uh, have a toilet in the house now. Huh? Yes. Clothes dryer. George T. Sampson. Okay. Uh, curtain rod. Samuel R. Uh, Scorotron, right. Right? right? Curtain rod support, William S. Grant. Yeah. Doorknob, Osborne Dorsey. Okay. Door stop, Osborne Dorsey. What were they doing to open doors before the doorknob came around? The doors just, there were, I guess That's there just, wasn't a door. There was a door. Egg beater, Willie Johnson. Okay. Electric, uh, 
uh, electric, it says lamb bulb, but electric light bulb. Right. Louis Latimer created the filament. Like if you watch a movie about with Spencer Tracy, right. they have the black person right. in it, but they have him as a little boy. Okay. Louis Latimer was a contemporary. Okay. Of uh, Al uh, Alexander Graham. Uh, oh, Graham Bear. No, no, no. That's the telephone. Yeah, Edison. Uh, right. Edison, Thomas. right? He was a contemporary, and he created the filament okay. that allowed the light bulb to stay on. Okay. The light bulbs did not stay on; they always burnt out. And here came the man who fit. So he's really the creator of the long-lasting light bulb that wouldn't go out just like that, right? The elevator. Alexander Miles, eye protector, Power, uh, Powell Johnson, okay. eye protector. You know, the goggles to right. go across the eyes, maybe yeah. across the glasses now. A black man invented that. Why? Because they were out there in the fields. They were out there doing carpentry right. in the barn and doing uh, steel work in the barn. Right. And they needed protection. And these are the people. So always remember the people who create are the right. ones who are actually doing the work, right. which actually built the country. Right. Fire escape ladder. Joseph W. Winters. The fire escape ladder. You know, like the, you see the old movies and you see the the windows and then they have you walk out on the little uh, steel grade and you lower the ladder down and you come down to safety that was a black man's invention right Fi the fire extinguisher Thomas Marshall folding bed Leonard C. Bailey the folding bed folding chairs Nathaniel Alexander Right? Can you believe this? Can you believe that? That's all in this first list right here. And again, you can see this on Crazy D Film Dude. Right. Right? Now, the next list of people, which, which I often talk about this all the time, the fountain pen, Walter B. Purvis, uh, furniture caster, David A. Fisher, gas mask, Garrett Morgan, golf tee, George T. Grant, uh, the guitar, Robert F. Fleming Jr., mm -hmm. Harry Brush, uh, Hairbrush, excuse me, okay. Linda O. Newsom, mm -hmm. uh, Hand Stamp, Walter B. Purvis. See, Walter B. Purvis was inventing a lot of stuff, right? Okay. Uh, ice Cream Scoop, Alfred L. Kroll, okay. um, Insect Destroyer Gun, Albert C. Richardson. You know, when you see the when you see the uh, different commercials and they have that long gun and it's yeah. squirting out the chemical to kill. Yeah. Black man invented that, right? Ironing board. Okay. Sarah Boone. Okay. Keychain. Frederick J. Loden. Uh, lantern. Michael C. Harvey. Uh, lawn sprinkler. John H. Smith. Lemon squeezer. Okay. Right? John Thomas White. The Lock, Washington A. Martin. Lubricating Cup, I believe that's in Cars. Okay. Elijah McCoy. Uh, lunch Pail, James Robinson. Mailbox, Paul L. Downing. The Mop, Thomas W. Stewart. Uh, peanut Butter, George Washington Carver. Uh, pencil Sharpener. John L. Love, right? Can you believe this? Now that's the whole second list, right? And again, you can see this where? On Crazy D Film Dude on uh, 
Instagram. Make sure you follow that page because we give all kinds of information. We're coming down to the home stretch. This okay. is showing you that yeah. how could a, a group of people, right. uh, American blacks, if they were truly classified, if they were truly right. what the classification is, right. minority, right. Some, people who could not take care of themselves, right. how could they create all this? Right. And who's really not being able to take care of themselves right. to these adventures? So who's really the minority? But we're going to get to that. Record player, I always love this because I'm a DJ, right? And so the record, the tone arm, the record player arm, Joseph H. Dickerson, the rolling pin, John W. Reed, shampoo headrest. That's when you go to the beautician and it's the headrest. When you lay back and you're getting your hair washed, Charles Orwin Bailiff. This this can uh, cars can't cannot run without this, even with the new technology. Spark plug. Wow. Edmund Berger. Okay. The uh, stethoscope that you know you put it in your ears and you listen to the heart, mm-hmm. right? Thomas A. Carrington. Wow. Straightening comb. You know, right. Madam C.J. Walker. That's coming out in March, right? Right. right. Street the street sweeper. Okay. Granville T. Woods. Thermostat control. You know when you go to your thermostat, right? And you you control how either how cool it is or how hot it is in your home. In your home, that's Frederick M. Jones. Traffic light. Right. Garrett Morgan and the tricycle. Tricycle. Matthew <laughs> A. Cherry. So you right. see, people, how could a group of people right. who were classified as minority right. be able to do all of this, right? If they were truly minority, right? So remember, my remember what I said. Always remember those who did the work are the ones who invent inventions which make easier right. and and not endless toil right. the jobs they have to do. Right. I gave you the example. American and black inventors that prove American blacks were never a minority, right? The minority is the group of people, is a group of people who oversaw, okay, the minority is the group of people who oversaw the free labor, but never really worked themselves. Those are actually the minorities, right? Right. America will be doing nothing without just us. Uh, Look how nervous they get when the end of the end of uh, integration is discussed. Take the reaction of Laura Ingraham, not Ingram, but Laura Ingraham, when Benjamin Watson uh, talked economics, college, and sports. So let's bring this up real quick, people. We're going to make this case real quick because it's very important to make this case. So let me bring this up real quick and listen to this real quick. While you're bringing that up, right, Uh because science is very important. Very important. Um, Healthcare, you know. Mm -hmm. Daniel Hale Williams, right, he founded the first black-owned hospital in America and performed the world's first successful heart surgery in 1893. 
he's the son of a barber. Um, Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania. He's the fifth of five children. So he's the founder of the first black-owned hospital, and he performed the world's, again, first successful heart surgery. And then he's just, you know, we have uh, next week, and we'll go over some more black Scientists, yeah, inventors. Yeah, absolutely. Right? All right. So let, let, let's play this real quick. Right. And then we're going to talk. I'm going to stop every now and then to go over it. But let's 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 watch this real quick. This is uh, very interesting. This is Laura Ingram. They call her Laura Ingram, but it's really spelled Laura Ingraham. <laughs> and uh, uh, Benjamin Watson. So listen mm -hmm. to this real quick. And then we're going to be stopping every now and then to give some commentary over it. ESPN anchor Jamel Hill created a kind of stir with a piece uh, in the Atlantic where she argued that black athletes should stop attending white majority colleges. What's your reaction to this? Well, I read the article, and, and, and when I saw the, the uproar over it, I read the article, and, and I agree with her. Uh, she had some great points in that article. When you look at the history of HBCUs and you look at the, the, the hundreds of thousands of, of, of black professionals that have come from these schools over the course of, of uh, the last several years since they've been created, and you look at what's been lost since, um, since integration has happened, what she was saying was simply that athletics is a multi-billion dollar business. I went to two historically white universities, Duke University and University of Georgia, that have a lot of money based on athletics. What she was saying that, look, we, we're living in a time where there's a big racial wealth gap. The average white family has a net income, a net worth that's 10 times that of a black uh, family. And so if we're able to have some of these athletes that create so much uh, uh, income go to some of these schools, uh, not that white students don't go and students of other ethnicities don't go, we live in time. Look, look, if you notice, if you look at her face, mm -hmm. as he's saying that he agrees with Jamel Hill okay. about uh, there being about black athletes okay. should stop going to predominantly black colleges and start going back to the HBCU. Right. Now, then you look at Laura Ingram's face. Now, she didn't expect. Now, what do you expect from a conservative I don't understand what the I conservatives. Would, shouldn't she? Wouldn't she be happy? Wouldn't she be happy? But but let, <laughs> let's push on here now. Okay. Let, let, let's listen to what happens next. Where okay. everybody can go wherever they want to. But what she was saying simply, if we're, if we're trying to pump money and revenue into some of these communities, that there's still this big disparity. This may be a way to do it. Look, she she, she lays it out very very cleanly, and, and it's actually yeah. uh, something that that I agree with. All right, Benjamin. Well, I think that. Duke would have not been thrilled about your not being there, but let's that's uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I mean, now, now, see, she gets nervous. Right. All of a sudden, she's nervous because right. I'm sure her producers are in her ear. Right. Because they realize. Right. That American blacks are right. still the cash cow of this society. Right. They're able to have them play free sports. That's why it's tooth and nail argue NCAA right. might as well be just the newest version of slavery because they have them paying, playing for free. Now, we went to college and I know how we felt in the dormitory when yeah. the cafeterias were closed yeah. and you felt hungry and then you had to use your own money. Yeah. We used to skip on down to the subway yeah. when subway had good food before right. Uh, before uh, it was sold, before it was sold, <laughs> and then put into yeah. uh, uh, food courts, right? By Romney's company, right. right, right. And so, we, and we used to skip down there, but you know, it's like 
the, and the athletes, you know, they had to depend on the kindness of others because there was no yeah. money being spread for them spending yeah. their time. And there was no guarantee yeah. they're going to get to the NBA yeah. or the NFL yeah. or any other sport that's being played, right? right? So let's continue. So she gets real nervous with this and she says that, you know, uh, Duke would have probably really been upset if they didn't have you there, right? So what what is it that... Caucasians want. They say they didn't want to be around you, but yet when this man is saying, maybe we should just go back to basically end uh, uh, integration. Like desegregation is good because you're able to walk where you want to do shop, where you want to shop, drink at water fountains or whatever. Now people have bottled water, so that's really... But but integration was where people interwove in and then the businesses were also in, in different right. social structure that made the American black neighborhood strong were lost. So let's continue. The, the college sports would certainly be a lot different today if that if, that, if we went down a color-coded way of well, figuring well, out college admissions. I mean, that's like that's, de- that's, that's resegregating the well, country. Why well, do we want that? Well, no, because segregation, as you know, is, is government mandated. Yeah, I get it. This is, I get this is it. not segregation. Yeah. This is, if, you, if you read the article and, and see what she I read the for. article. I read the article. All right, yeah. we got to go. You see there? She, she was ready. She was ready to get off. Right. Right. Because here's a here's a black man telling you right. that maybe integration on that level is not too good. Right. For uh, historically black colleges right. and universities, and right. maybe we should because right. that will become a domino effect. I remember right. we were doing an episode of Like It Is. Yeah. Rest in peace to uh, Franklin G. Right. We were doing a. Um, we were doing a uh, episode, right? And uh, Rodney Smith was on. He was running for the congressional seat, right? Right. And I asked him about maybe because uh, Martin Luther King said that I may have took my people, integrated my people into a burning house. Right. And I said, well, maybe integration, desegregation shouldn't end, but integration should end. Right. Right? Right. We got a phone call. Let's see what this, what this uh, phone call. We're coming to 314. Let me bring you up. 314, are you there? You, you know... Uh, is, this, is this Pataki? Yeah, it's Pianki. Hey, Pianki. That's right. I got it right. Pianki. How you doing? Now, Martin Luther King was, his dealing was down in the South. The things that were going on in the South wasn't going on in the North. I don't know why he, uh, the people he was talking about that he uh, brought into a burning house. That's a question. Well, he made a statement, made a comment that blacks should be uh, enrolled in, in, in uh, historical black universities. Now, the number of historical black universities is going to be down around 25. So they say around the next five or seven years. And you only have, at any given time, five schools that have a graduation rate above 50% in six years, meaning that the students are paying 50% more just to graduate. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not the student's fault because where they come from, they're not being prepared. That's where the big problem lies. So, so you, you say read article after article that you read article after article that black students are mis are overrepresented in low paying majors. Well, if you are in a low paying majors like health services and administration and childhood education, how can you have discretionary money? to pay off the loan that is required to, to get degree in those fields or For ESPN to go back to a college in order to increase the endowment. That's true. But the, the question has to be asked. Okay, so let's go back for a minute. You said that in the North, mm -hmm. what was happening in the South wasn't happening in the North? No, it wasn't. Okay, have you ever seen that footage <laughs> when uh, Martin Luther King went into Chicago? Yeah. And, and the, not only the Nazis, but the, uh, the Confederates came out and he said that in the South is one thing, mm -hmm. but up here in Chicago in the North is a total different animal mm -hmm. which is even more vicious mm -hmm. than what you see in the south so one well, yeah, betsy smith betsy smith did said you what on, uh, did you see what went on in the vicinity of ferguson yeah absolutely but that's a sundown town right and so there's no, certain no. Well, Blacks been living. Blacks been living in the Ferguson for decades. I, I know, but it, it, it was still, it was still yeah. a, it was still a sundown town, meaning that blacks had to be off the street at dusk. Don't get caught when it's nightfall. Huh? Blacks were the major population in Ferguson. Blacks moved out in Ferguson decades ago. I guess you can say probably in the late '60s after they left North St. Louis. Because of crime and other elements, probably value all those things. They moved into the outlying communities like Berkeley, Ferguson, Castle Point, now in Spanish Lake. They in those outlying Ferguson, Florissant. Now they in those outlying areas. Blacks moved into Ferguson decades ago, and they had a nice community. Housing values up, pristine line. Ferguson, Florida had pretty good schools. At first, it was uh, Ferguson School District, who combined with Florida School District because the kids' population started dropping. Now, when you had the incident with Mike Brown, blacks started fleeing that area even before that because you had politics that was pushing blacks out of the city into these outlying areas where blacks was already established. There's an area in about a mile north and west of Ferguson. It's called Barrington Down. Mm -hmm. It's majority black. That population almost physically drew a line down what's called Bale Avenue, V-A-I-L, where it crosses Halls 
Ferry. Mm -hmm. They told the protesters, you don't come out here. You don't come out here. They had police coming as their air navigation monitor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that goes on uh, in society's period. Now, back during the time when King was marching, and I, you know, the things that they were doing down south uh, was needed because the people were being, you know, oppressed and so forth. But up uh, in the north, you had very little of that, if not much at all. Blacks were going to school and so on and so on and so on. It's just a different paradigm. Now you got blacks moving back down south. You have a larger population of blacks in this country in the southern states than you do in the northern states. You know why? Because they worked up north, earned good wages, salaries, pensions, and social security. Now they're moving back down south where the living is cheap. Expensive is not nowhere near as great as it is up north. So they also don't have uh, 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 five five S. I mean five band five G. They don't have five G. Um. So, you know, Betsy Smith said Betsy Smith said something that was very interesting. She said, "In the South, the whites want you to work. They can work a, you can work alongside them because of obviously cotton, tobacco, and all the other. You can work alongside them, but don't get bigger than them. In the North, you could get big as you want it to be. Just don't stand. Don't." stay next to me don't stand next to me so it was a two different types of uh, mentalities because that's what Martin Luther King was well, doing I don't know what year they talking about it neither. I mean but, but huh and they, well Jim Jim Crow Jim Crow had been going on mm -hmm. since way before the 20s mm -hmm. Bessie Smith is the first million dollar race seller uh, race records seller they used to call them race records right. so Jim Crow kept going all the way up through the 50s, the 60s. Some people say that Jim Crow is on its way back. Right. But the main point is, it was a different mentality. And that's why Martin Luther King was up in Chicago in the first place, because they were battling over fair housing. So not only was he battling with the established leadership there that might want it to just rub shoulders right. and not necessarily rock the boat, but he was also dealing with people who came out of the woodwork like roaches and express themselves guns gunfire mm -hmm. uh confederate flags mm -hmm. and nazi well, symbols the people moving in their neighborhood you know along state street you had cabrini green style home not home the park i guess you call it projects like project after project after project I remember seeing that when I was a kid, because my grandparents, not my grandparents, my auntie, cousins, lived in Chicago and lived on the Prairie Avenue right there, 39th Street. Uh -huh. And I had another cousin that lived there uh, near White Sox Stadium. Okay. And uh, they had row after row after row, like dominoes, that black state, well, actually, white started staying in the first. That was a project that came about in the 1950s in order to put bricklayers to work. Those projects had the same thing in St. Louis with Prairie Idaho. But here's the thing. We talk about 2020. 
Mm-hmm. What needs to be done is to get black kids educated and get them out of these decrepit school systems. I'm telling you. And, you know, I have uh, promoted the National Society of Black Engineers, which started back in the 1970s to get more black involved in the STEM field. This started back in the 1970s by a group of black males. May have had a female, so. And it works. Their goal is to graduate 15,000 black STEM graduates every year. It was cut back from 25,000 because of the present education system. Now, let me say this. They have a national convention once a year, and they have regional conventions during the year. At their national convention, which the next one is coming up next month, and I'm not sure what city it's going to be in. But in the last three years, 17 and 18 at Pittsburgh and Kansas City, and 19, it was in Detroit. You had corporations there that was hiring black kids by the hundreds. In 17 and 18, a Mississippi company by the name of Northwood Grumman hired 400 black STEM graduates two years in a row, 400 plus, plus the other corporations that's there. Last year in Detroit, Lockheed Martin hired over 400, plus the other that was there. They had over 15,000 students there at that convention. So these kids are getting there if you got the degrees that is in demand, right. but in order to get the degrees that's in demand, it require a lot of preparation to study. Now, when you say something about athletes, athletics, yeah, mm-hmm. I was talking about the Laura Ingram piece, yeah. where she, where the yeah. guy told her that maybe uh, integration should end and it should go back to the uh, historically black colleges, right, and universities. Well, that and then the money, then the money, huh? Whatever. I didn't hear you beg your pardon. Yeah, that integration ain't going in. Yeah, you know, my grandson attended LSU. Okay. We played baseball for the school. We came here in 2014 to look at, you know, we visit the school. He's in gas and petroleum engineering. There's no facility else in the country other than maybe out of Colorado that matches that. Black schools don't have that type of facility. They put $100 million in that school. Now, you do have some excellent black schools, but, you know, on the on the whole, it's just not there. Mm-hmm. Now, you have schools like Spelman, which is all-girls school. You have to have at least a 25 ACT to get in that school. Those kids are smart. They ain't dumb. You got Tuskegee, which has a research uh, operation program that's going on where they're working with NASA on this Mars mission. And you have Morehouse, which produces a lot of doctors. But when you get beyond them, Fisk and Howard, then you start to have problems because the kids are not prepared. It's not the child's fault. It's that black society is not doing what it should do to its greatest extent. Now, one other thing, too. There are segments in black society. And when you think about this, you would agree. There are about 60 70 years behind what your model is for success. Why is that? Because success shows a picture of a functional family, including 
for real grandparents, not 35-year-old grandparents, for real grandparents. And that takes, just to say the kids, the parent, the grandparents, that there is 60 years to put that back together. Okay. Let's let's Africa let's, is about 160 years behind. Yeah, you know, I would I would agree with that. So why are you coming up with? But anyway, look. Um, <laughs> let, let, let's let's go back to the uh, King thing because I said that they didn't want people living, and you said they just didn't want them coming into the neighborhoods. Fine. Now, weighing mm -hmm. the difference between Bloomberg and Trump, right? Yeah. And we talked about that a little bit earlier because this is the American Black politic segment now uh before we get into the films and everything uh people are saying that donald trump wouldn't let people rent in his uh properties black people couldn't rent in his properties american blacks couldn't rent in his properties and i told people I, I said uh his clientele didn't want black people in the property so that's one thing Right, so we're looking at that. So weighing the the, the level of severity. Meanwhile, uh, Bloomberg takes a policy like stop and frisk and puts it on steroids, and and then stops and frisks and uh, does so many people and causes damage. People actually being incarcerated. People actually being touched inappropriately. People constantly being hassled who are going to school right. because they fit a description of just the black young black male. Which one is more severe to you on the levels of bigotry and racism? And which one really disqualifies the one? Because I, I believe that Trump is going to be reelected, right? So I'm going to ask you. Well, go ahead. Do you respect my age? I mean, I, 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 I don't, I don't know how old you are, but I respect my elders. Suppose I said I was eighty years old. Would you respect my age? You were what forty, thirty-five. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit half right, plus. Yeah. I'm, I'm half plus eight of you. <laughs> well, I'm not eighty. Just oh, oh, okay, okay. There you go. <laughs> You know, I was structure still erect. I put up a bill in my company I own mm -hmm. that fell in 9-11. So one could say I've been pretty successful in the United States. Okay. Now, this is what I got to tell you. The best president I've ever seen is Donald Trump. Now, you don't have to believe that because I don't got past the point of trying to convince people to the point where you put your hand, I choke them, do what you want to do. But the best president I've ever seen, the person that stick to what he said he was going to do based on what people said they wanted to see in town hall meetings and rallies, it's Donald Trump. Bloomberg was saying those things because he's trying to get black votes. The other ones are too. So you can believe it if you want to. It's perfectly fine. No, no, I'm asking you which one is more in the in the severity of bigotry and racism. It, because as American blacks, we have to start weighing the scales out and looking at people. And I always say fear is not a reason to vote or to endorse someone just because they're saying the right things now because we all know that they're just Dixiecrats 
okay? They're just Dixiecrats. And some moved over to the Republican well, Party. But what I'm saying uh, is, it, I, yeah, but I'm asking you, in, in, the, in your opinion, in your, in your esteemed opinion here, because that's why we talk to you all the time, because, okay, go ahead. Let me give you an answer. If I was white, and you was black, and I told you, you cannot ride in this car. All right? You can say I'm a racist, right? Or if I threw cold water on you, you say I did it because I'm a racist. I'm white, you black. Okay. What if I'm black and I throw cold water on you? Am I a racist? No, I say that you're self. I, I would say you're self-hating. No, wait a minute. <laughs> no, wait a minute. I would say. Let me, uh, let, let, me let me respond before. Okay, but I'm saying you're self-hating, and you have taken on the mentality of those that oppress. Because there are Negroes that do oppress other Negroes. There were Negroes who owned slaves every 50 years after people were free. They had free black people who own slaves. So there is that mentality out there. You had black people that own slaves. You had black people that was in the, the or agriculture for every white immigrant that they sponsored to the United States. They received 50 acres of land. And that's on this side of the ocean. On the other side of the ocean, all kind of things was going on. You had black kings that brought slaves here on Columbus boats to do rice farming in the Carolinas. They don't tell you those things. But what I'm saying is, it's not the color of the skin of the person, it's the act that is the problem. Right. Then when I threw cold water on you, that was an act. When he threw cold water on you, that was an act. That was the problem. Yeah, it's an act, either way, it's a, either way, it's an act of hate mm -hmm. because if you're saying that you're, I'm not going to ride in a car with you and you're black, I'm really, uh, in both ways, I'm going to take offense equally because it's an act of hate if I haven't done anything to you. So I'm not too much on the whole color thing anymore. I just wanted to get an answer from you about the degrees. Oh, you know, what I'm saying is, I, I just wanted to get an answer from you about the degrees of bigotry and racism because people are afraid that somehow Donald Trump is going to put us back in chains like Biden said way back during Bush and we and we ain't, we're not in chains yet. The only, women, 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 the only people I see in chains still are the ones from the three strikes. Those are the ones that yeah, I see, the black people I see in the chains. Go ahead. Let me ask you something about racism. Okay. For me to tell you that, sir, I don't want you to date my daughter. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, that's racism. But it's not against the law. Racism and segregation and discrimination is not against the law until you violate someone's civil rights and carry that out. I mean, what else are you going to do to counter it? They break the law, you sue them. If they ain't broke the law, you can't sue them. When you had 
in Arden, a group of parents had a prom in Georgia in two or three places in private venues, and they said they didn't want no blacks to attend. Well, that's not racism. That's their preference. Because I know a black organization that don't allow whites to attend. Oh, 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 that's, 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 I mean, that's what... I'm trying to get people to elevate to see there are black people who don't want to be around white folks at all. We don't want to do no elbow room. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There are black people who don't want to do elbow room and, and excuse me, uh, rub elbows with what they're just as strong and say that we are who we are and we don't need you. And, and just what? You have blacks that don't want to be around other blacks and whites that don't want to be around Ig other blacks. Exactly. You have blacks that will not take your, their kids down in the hood to play down there for a lot of reasons. It might be dangerous for one thing. Right? You got black schools in this country. You got Fairfield. You got the Taurus Man. And several of them, I can't think of the name. Where the tuition from pre-kindergarten, kindergarten through 12th grade is over $40,000 a year. That is producing a whole different ideology, mindset, class of people. It's nothing you can do. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it should so it be. Does exist. Yeah, it does exist. But for the others who don't have that, they have to sooner or later get it together, right? They have to get it together. They have to get what out of them. What do you think about reparations? I think that I think that the reparations should be uh, given. That's that's what I believe. I believe that because it's not because it's because it's not it's not just slavery. It's every policy, right. every law. Right. We, we we don't even have to go back to sixteen nineteen. We can start at 1865 and go forward in how every policy, every legislation, every backdoor deal, everything for set a, a certain class of black people back a hundred years, right? And so, so not just slavery, we're talking about people have lived through mm -hmm. Jim Crow. They have lived through the lynchings. Right. This is a continuous thing that is put down today. by still today. So, yes, reparations should be paid. Right. And we're not even going All back right, to 1619. You know okay. That's what I got to say. Okay. You got a problem there because who you going to collect from? One thing. Okay, but what about this? What about demanding reparations from drug dealers? They selling drugs in your community, and the implication of those drugs is causing the destruction of families, thus by creating, or should I say, not allowing the process of building families like we talked about earlier to happen. Okay, I'm ahead of you. Yeah. I'm ahead of you because there's certain, there's a whole bunch of different people that are going to have to pay. They're, they're, you know, when we're looking at reparation, we're going to have to find out which black families own slaves, which Native American tribes own slaves, which Irish people own slaves, which German, which boom, boom, boom. All of this is going to have to happen. And not only the drug dealer, but the drug creator. 
We have to go back. It's already proven that crack came in because of the Iran Contra, because of the Iran Contra scandal. So we have to go back. The American government got to pay for destroying families to fund war, right? That's already been proven, right? So this has to go back. And so, so many different, so it keeps on going back to what I, my premise before. So many different policies, so many different laws. We add in the secret Iran-Contra scandal, the Iran-Contra war. You add that in and and funding it using crack. And then on top of that, uh, Reagan did that in the 80s. Ten years later, uh, Clinton signs the three strikes uh, and it takes men out of the street. In the 80s, you turn. You know, uh, you, wait a minute, wait a minute, I mean, in 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 the eighties, in eighties, they took noble black women and turned them into strawberries, and then in the nineties, you turn around and you take the men from out of the homes. How do you expect a, a young black male or a young black female to? get educated when there is no father in the home to keep the family structure together. And the American government did that. The American government did that. As as you saying that for a woman to get welfare that the man couldn't be in the house. Is that what you saying? No, no, no. I'm talking I'm I'm not I'm not talking about the welfare argument. I'm talking about crack cocaine. I'm talking about fun bringing the cocaine well, I in in I know but in the eighties in the 80s, black women who were going to college, black males that were going to college, mm-hmm. in the 80s, the uh, United States government brought in crack, they brought in the cocaine to, and then came up with the formula to unleash Ready Rock on the communities and it turned black women into strawberries. Ten, a, a decade later, the crime bill comes out to wipe the males off. So when we look at it, yes, that is happening and, and maybe people don't know why it's happening and maybe the circumstances of what uh what what uh trump is doing now by stopping the illegal immigration and then more black people get jobs because crime is the is caused by not not having enough job opportunities right, right? so the, the so no matter how that's cut we're not talking about welfare we're not talking about none of that we're talking about uh, cocaine brought in Turned into Ready Rock, right. turned black women into strawberries. Uh, ten years later, uh, black men are taken out the household. So how you gonna have responsible households when the woman is still is probably still suffering from the ravages of crack on her brain and, and may not still be off of it? Some are, some ain't, but it broke up the whole American family, the black American black family, and so. Yeah, the American right. government has to pay reparations just for crack, right. just for crack, right. just for Ready Rock, right. just for the cocaine. Right. We can do just those years. Right. That that has been yeah, a devastation. Is, is that Maxine Waters? Maxine Waters had hearings on that. There's no nothing to show that the United States government was implicit in doing that. And then here's the big problem. You know, in order to sue the U.S. government, whether if you are a group organization or a country, the U.S. government has to permit you to sue it. So you get there's there's yet another hurdle. 
Exactly. That's that's why. Yeah, that's right. That's why you. That's why they have the HR forty bill right. because the government has to admit to its complicity. Right. And so that that's what the larger issue is. So I'm not disagreeing with you. Right. But all at the same time, the American government. Right. Is culpable the people who were here let's go back to 1619 right. and even before but 1619 the people that were here before 1776 and the congressional congress of 1775 and all that they brought up uh, well, uh know, the 1619 was a different entity you, this government we have today is coming to existence till 1779 Right, I just said it, but I'm saying 1775, 1776, and then it took a while for it to be uh, ratified, right? But what I'm saying is to you, but even those... Hmm? Let me tell you something. People make arguments. I've experienced these things. Okay. They try to say the U.S. did not profit from slavery. Oh. The United States did not monetarily profit from slavery. You know why? There was no taxes at that time. Taxes didn't come into existence in 1913. Individuals. No, no. I like this discussion here because that that's good and it's intricate. But when people are talking about reparations, like mm -hmm. uh, ADOS is talking about reparations, they're right. talking about the people who were involved in it. Right. Right, and I just uh, a few minutes ago I said we have to go through and look at individuals. Right, maybe some of those families that pay forty thousand a year for kindergarten, maybe some of their families own black bodies. They got to pay. They found a way to give reparations yeah, to the Japanese bodies. and to Holocaust survivors as well yeah, as Native Americans. Yeah, they want, that's a whole different case with the Japanese. The thing is, is you talking about if you talk about slavery. And, and these things that ADOS, ADO, ADOS, I, you know, they talk about how people were treated, so on, so on. Now you complicate the matter because you bring in all sorts of jury. You got individuals, you got local governments, you got states, and some people want to say the federal government. Why does now it become? Why is it? Why is it? Beca why does it become complicated when we talk about giving reparations to American descendants of slavery, but? reparations are it wasn't complicated when it had to be given to other groups but when it's time to give reparations to the people well, who built this company, country all of a sudden we need like the HR 40 bill and it's it's too complicated and there's layers now but with other groups it's not complicated well the United States only gave that I know of reparations went to Japanese because they were still living they gave they gave they, they, oh, uh, they they were part yeah. they were part and parcel in it, so they did. They gave them they gave them uh, Jerusalem and Palestine. No, they don't. No, listen, no, no, they, well, What was that? Nineteen. the Jewish Holocaust. You know, when you give when you give weapons and you give your military time to protect, right. that's money. Time is money. Money is time. Bodies going over there. 
weapons going over there. That is a form of reparation. Native Americans. That's, that's a treaty agreement. Okay, it's, it's still a, a treaty. Treat, let's get a treaty then. No, whatever it is, whatever it is. Whatever it is, Fanaki, let's get a treaty. Whatever it is. But we don't even have to go back to slavery. We can start with crack. Start today. We can start with crack. Well, here's the, well, like I said before, this thing about slavery that has been played out in the court, and no slave passed on the the authority for Africa today, African Americans today to adjudicate for them. And then too, look at this. Over on the continent of Africa, if the descendants of those Africans receive compensation, those people over there in those tribes are going to put a lien on it because those descendants created crimes that they had, which caused them to be shipped out of there in many cases at a time. It's all kind of complications that's going on. Hmm, that, that's good. That's one side of it. That, 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 I mean, that's the oppressive side, but the other side is me and the tribal chief had big beef so he sold me or he put me in uh into chains as a slave and then sold me off like this woman who said her great great grandfather yeah, was a slave trader yeah. right so we got to go no, back and get my my thing is my thing is my my thing is right so that's why they have to go in and we have to get restitution from those people. And it's going to be hard because you're going to find out that some people who may not be as successful because maybe they were cheated out of their land right. and land grabs by Caucasians later may not be as successful, but they own slaves. It's, it's, it's going to get complicated. So I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And I was ahead of that. Huh? Let's talk about the South. Uh, 28% of free blacks own slaves. In say like New Orleans, uh, ten to thirty thousand were owned by blacks. Oh yeah, we did. We did a show. We did a show about um, Cane River and the Creoles. We did that about uh, four weeks ago, about a month ago. We that owned the slaves actually was a lot of women. Okay. Okay. Right. That that goes away from the theory that uh, black the dark skinned blacks was buying their cousins and, and, and relatives. Well, mulattoes did not have an associated with dark skinned blacks. I know it's all one. Those I, have to be taken into account. I know it's one eighth, one third, and half, and all those different after rooms and all that. We did a story about that. I mean, I'm not upset about that. I just want people to pay up. Mm-hmm. That's all. So I mean, I'm not. I'm yeah, not. Well, I'm do, not shocked. What you gotta do is build your case and put your facts and that together. That's you know, yeah, right. I'm just, I'm, a, I'm illuminated as far as the fact that it's right. not just the white thing. It's not just, it's not just the white yeah. thing. It's all people and were involved. That, I, I, hey, I tip my hat to them and, and, and get hope that they have success in doing what they endeavor on doing. But it's not easy. Well, it has been great because we got to keep moving with the show, but. Every time you call up, we get information and we get a dialogue going. And I appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you very much. I appreciate you also. Thank you. Have a good evening. You too. You too. Panaki, whenever he calls up, it's always a great thing. He comes with that information. Yep. Right? Okay, people. 
So moving on, because you know, our topic for tonight, <laughs> which is so apropos, why not join an organization? Why not to join okay. an organization talking about black liberation? Right. But first we have to talk about who killed Malcolm X. <sighs> it's a new uh, docu-series right. playing on Netflix, right? Okay. So the first thing about the film, if you're a person who never knew anything about Malcolm X, the context is well laid out with the backstory of Malcolm X and how he came to be in the nation of Islam, right? Abdul Rahim Mohammed lays out the facts of his one-man investigation and exposes the inept work on the NYPD's part to investigate and bring the true killers of Malcolm X to justice, right? Yeah. Number one, what's interesting about this? Number one, the lack of connectivity between the NYPD and the FBI right. who had informants, the FBI had informants on the inside of the Autobahn ballroom. They had informants on wow. the inside that gave detailed descriptions yeah. of who they were looking for, yeah. right? Got to see this documentary. Yeah. Great, great documentary. It exposes once a racist, right. always a racist. Right. The cops uh, the cops interview who are still living still hold racist views. Yeah. The same type of racist views right. which keep which kept them from solving the case. The yeah. same racist views back then still have today. them. Today. And they still have them today. It's right. old people, right? right? It's the same type of yeah. racist thought process in our opinion. Right that Bloomberg has, right? right? Remember, I talked about the minority classification right. for black people. In, right. in legal and in, in governmental law, a minority is someone who cannot take care for them, take care of themselves. So Bloomberg talked about taking guns away from them, but who's gonna protect us from the rowdy whites, right? Who's gonna protect us, you know, if we are a minority, but we've never been a minority because we built the boy, right? right. So Bloomberg says this, and we're going to listen to this real quick, and then we're going to continue, because this is a perfect example of how the police officers thought who investigated uh, Malcolm X, and it's the same train of thought. Here we go. They just keep saying, oh, it's a disproportionate percentage of a particular ethnic group. That may be, but it's not a disproportionate percentage of those who witnesses and victims describe as committing the murder. In that case, incidentally, I think we disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. Former ESPN anchor Jamel Hill no. created a kind of stir. Let me flip that back up, right? So he said we, we disproportionately. Now that was a, a, a Trump. Trump plays the plays the game real good. He's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. He gets up there and he talks about he says, wow, Bloomberg is racist. That was, <laughs> yeah, he said, you guys are calling me a racist. But look at He's this guy. really this a racist. This guy is <laughs> on steroids, right. right? And so we want to shout out to uh, 
to uh, Hollywood Unlocked because yeah. they broke that video. The other, the others, yeah. the other audio that people have is so unclear. Yeah. But they found this and they put this out. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Hollywood Unlocked, right? Right. So we just went through number two. Race. Uh, it proves that yeah. the uh, racism. Uh, once a racist, always a racist. Number three. On uh, who killed Malcolm X documentary. Okay. It shows how jealousy can lead to an act which has led to the degradation of American blacks because killing the man, Malcolm X, actually stopped his work on behalf of American blacks. And it allowed others to take on positions in American black society that continue to um, stagnate the movement with empty platitudes and hamster wheel politics. Right. Now, go back to our previous episodes and we talk about being on the hamster wheel and having to get off, right? Number four, it shows like one of the earliest episodes of mm -hmm. TFR talks about evil is relative. Right. It's in the eyes of the beholder. We talked right. about this yeah. I think it was. It's going to be coming up on two years ago. But we talked about this. Evil is in the eyes of the beholder. And what do I mean by that? If a person does harm to a person like Malcolm, right, and gets away with it, right. the person is seen as a folk hero okay. in his community okay. and lives a full life with an open secret, talked amongst wow. the community he lives in. Wow. So, evil. Right. Is in the eyes of the beholder, okay. right? This is a must watch. Yeah. It is more instructional and educational yeah. in many different ways. Right. Who Killed Malcolm X right. docu-series on Netflix, right. right? So what did you think about the documentary? I mean, the docu... First of all, after watching it, we said that... Um, the person that did the documentary, what is his name? Adur uh, Rahim Muhammad. Muhammad. He did an excellent job. We said that, that was what the best documentary, yeah. docu series that we've ever seen. Because everything was, everything else was well more sensationalized. Right. right. He came with like facts, right? right? So fact after fact after fact. He had documentation. He went out. He did the leg work. I mean, it was just well done. And um, the way he built a case, the right. case was built, right? you know, within this documentary and just layer after layer, you know, just like unraveling the layers from an onion. It's just like more and more and more. You learn more and more. And I'm just like watching it. And I couldn't believe that as high up as what the, the mayor's office Right. In Jersey, they knew. They knew, and I'm like, okay, so if everyone knew, the governor wasn't that the the assistant governor, she was the a lieutenant, lieutenant governor, right? Yeah. She knew, and I but mean, you know who didn't know? <laughs> you know, he's supposed to be a Newark native, but you know who he didn't know? Everyone <laughs> knew. Everyone right. said, yeah, you know, right. that's an open secret. Everybody knows. We talk about it all the time. <laughs> you know who didn't know? Well, Cory Booker was the only Cory person, Booker, only the only person didn't know. in the city that didn't know. I, I discovered this with Hillary Clinton. Right. When the politician opens their eyes real wide oh, yeah, and they yeah. nodding, yeah. 
They lying to you. And he got up and kind of like, opinion. he left. Why he walked yeah, off he walked while off. the cameras were but, going but when they, like, when they had their eyes real wide and they'd be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. In my opinion, they lying to you. Yeah, I know that with Hillary. Hillary would sit up there, yeah, 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 and this and that, and her eyes be real wide. And he does the same, he did the same and thing. And he literally, like, he stood up and walked off while the cameras were still rolling. And he's the he only was clearly one. uncomfortable. And he was the only well, one. Well, the guy was in this video. Well, we don't want no, no, to give I mean, it away. Right, right, don't he give it away. To. That's why I didn't go into any details. Okay, so we won't go into details. You have but to watch But he's the, the only one in Newark, New Jersey, who didn't know this guy. You were interacting with, with the killer. <laughs> But you didn't know. But everyone else around everybody you knows. knew. You got to watch this. You have to watch. Excellent, so, excellent documentary or docu-series. He did a great job. The So let's break this film down by numbers here. Okay. The many decades long research by Abdur, uh, Abdur Rahim Mohammed. That's a 10. Okay. The edit of the content into a non-sensational context. Okay which holds the interest to binge watching. It holds you so long that you just want to binge watch all the episodes. That's a 10. The in-depth interview, modern day, cut with interviews over the years. That's a 10. The new revelations brought forth. That's a 10. The call for justice for the wrongfully accused. That's a 10. Horrible. So what would you rate Who Killed Malcolm X? Definitely a 10. I mean, because it was just well done. And it's just, it's like, I can't believe that, I mean, it's just like all the people that knew, as well as the government, you know, records that they knew. And you have these innocent men in prison prison for uh, for a crime that it was known that they didn't commit, right? Because they said the you'll see it, but the, the police said the feds wasn't talking to them, and the you know but, but information was wasn't the feds, being passed. But they were talking to the feds every day. Feds was taking information, but exactly. they weren't giving none. So the feds knew that you knew who the killers, who the killers, you know who they are, right? But then you also know that you have innocent men in prison mm-hmm. for a crime that they didn't commit. And, the, and so the government knew, as well as people within that community. But they were just minorities. It didn't matter. They were just, quote unquote, classified Yeah, because as when you see that, fast forward and you see the, like you said, the interviews from the policemen, they still had that nonchalant attitude and they're still smiling and laughing. Like, why, did you, why did you do that? You were supposed to just be an informant. Why did you do that? After he was shot, you got to see this. You can crazy. can't go into detail. Crazy. But, uh, who killed Malcolm X? Excellent. Uh, on a documentary, um, Abdul uh, Rahman right. Muhammad, uh, his years of dedication all laid out. But it wasn't about him. It was about getting to. Yeah get the justice from Malcolm X. And they said they may be opening the case back up because of the documentary. But I definitely give it a 10. Which gets us, people, to why not to join an organization talking about black liberation. You should get a pencil and paper for this because this is very in-depth and very important, right? So look, before we get into 
why not to join an organization talking about black liberation? We have to ask, what is black liberation theology? What is black liberation theology? Reverend James Cone is the founder of black liberation theology. It's rooted in the 1960s civil rights activism. It's inspired by both Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, but then that would mean that it's really inspired by what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was teaching in the Nation of Islam because Malcolm was a student of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, right? Right. It sees God as concerned with the poor and the weak, right? It's an effort in a white dominant society where blacks are seen as evil, still today, to make the gospel relevant to life struggles of American blacks. Help American blacks love themselves. B, to teach people to be unapologetically black and Christian at the same time, right? It focuses on the condemnation of racist white action, subjugation, uh, action of subjugation of American blacks as evil acts which will cause the destruction of the nation unless corrected. Mm -hmm. It calls on the compassionate mind of whites to do right, right? So translation, if only the whites would do right, then all would be forgiven and we could rub shoulders together for just us. Forget reparations. For just us, forget reparations. Photo ops all of the time. Being able to eat together with whites at the dinner table is good enough for American blacks. Right? Because there's certain things, when when you look at it, like if you're a person and you're not breaking down words, right? Black liberation theology. What is it to be liberated, right? Nowhere in the theology is there true black liberation. And that's where many, when they hear the fiery black rhetoric, don't get what black liberation is actually about. And in the end, Mm -hmm. those who haven't researched what black liberation theology is all about, run afoul of those who create black liberation theology organizations. You know, Dr. Carl Anderson, who has been pushing for reparations for quite some time, he describes it as the orator speaking truth to power on defense while ducking incoming bombardment. Right? So he's saying, you you did this and we should do this and why all that's happening. You're ducking, avoiding the hit that, you know, will come if too many people start to believe you, right? Okay. So, why not to join an organization talking talking black liberation? Okay. Not seeing the conformist nature in black liberation politics leaves the true believer in a bewilderment mm-hmm. later in life. Like when they get 80... 
and, and ninety years say like I, I talked to a guy at uh, at a function. He said that mm-hmm. these people keep talking this. Okay. I'm ninety years old. Okay. And I'm not going to see this in my lifetime. Right. So it leaves them bewildered because they right. didn't really realize what black liberation theology right. or black liberation politics, the way it's right. being practiced, right. is about, right? So really, your lifetime really is not what matters because you fight for something. Um, you're fighting for your, 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 your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews. They may uh, see it, you know, in their lives. No, no, we're fighting, but remember now, black liberation theology is not about black liberation. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get to what it's really about, right? So let's go back for a minute. They are bewildered when later in life they find that there was nothing more than window dressing being changed, right? Why not to join? Organizations talking about black liberation. Number one. Most, I had to give you the context so now we can get into it. Give you a little history of what black liberation politics is. Now remember I said conformance and we're going to get to this. Number one. Most organizations are not about black liberation. They are about black assimilation into the society. Okay. See in the Bible where so they, they, they tell now remember the premise is to tell to uh, appeal to the compassionate mind of whites okay. so they tell you in the Bible where they say so they'll say see in the Bible where you will be cursed or your empire will fall like Rome if you don't treat us right if you don't treat us right your whole thing is going to fall and we're going to be up there marching army or marching, stumping out the grapes of wrath. Okay, number two. Every man and every woman thinks within varying degrees when talking or thinking concerning the American black plight. That variation, especially if you're dealing with the founder of an organization can get you into hot water when you believe the rhetoric talk, the rhetorical talk, the right. rhetoric, but the founder who founded the organization is really yeah. founded the organization for economic reasons. The documentary... God forbid you shake the uh, boat. Yeah. The, 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 the documentary Who Killed Malcolm X Right really illuminated because it wasn't sensationalism. It really laid the story out, right? right. So the the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, which uh, the um, Black Liberation Theology actually comes from, they said Malcolm and Martin, but really it comes from one part because Malcolm was just the student, right. right? So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad founded the Nation of Islam much in the later coined Black liberation theology model. He focused on how to eat to live. With so many, can we say, and we talk about this all the time, all of these different uh, programs and diets have just basically took his, took his everything that he has in his book took and how to eat to live. All of these different weight loss programs and just, just different it. diets right. are just like all information stolen from his book. 
I mean, it's just drinking paper, people. Drinking paper. But anyway, so number two, <sighs> knowing who you are, love self. Right. Knowing who the enemy is. Right. Self-respect, cleaning yourself up, and right. the most important piece. Right. In our opinion. Right. Do for self, economic, self-sustained business with blacks patronizing the mm-hmm. black-owned businesses. Right. Out of all the rhetoric, out of all the rhetorical self, uh, out of all the rhetoric and all the rhetorical themes within the teachings, self-sustaining businesses with blacks loving themselves enough to patronize and open up various types of businesses is what Elijah Muhammad was focused on. Malcolm X, now this is thoroughly uh, truly through the documentary, but when you look at it, when someone has founded something and you come in and you become a champion of that, you have to really find out what you're championing for and stay on message on what the person is talking about. Malcolm focused on bringing the rhetorical truth And though Elijah Muhammad stressed for Malcolm to slow down, Mm -hmm. Malcolm pressed forward. This is my opinion. Okay. This is my opinion that it jeopardized what Elijah Muhammad was building. Right. He was building something where they talked about separation. Okay. And building economic stability in communities and black communities where people were were self-sustaining, loved each other clean themselves up, boom, all those different things. And Malcolm was more about, just by looking at it, retribution to those who did harm, right? Number three. The number three reason why not to join an organization talking about black liberation. Niggas just jealous. Niggas just jealous. If they perceive, you elocute better. Or your clothes straight better. Right. Women give you unwanted attention. Right. You are the epitome of the word that you speak. Right. They think. They think you look better. Right. They will be jealous of you. Right. And it's nothing you can do about it. Right. It's the way it is. It's the weak feeble minds created during slavery. Right. Willie Lynch etc. You can't take Willie Lynch out of the brain of a Negro. Not really. Right? Me, I've never seen a nigga to be jealous of. Not a black man either. Because I've never seen a white man, an Asian man, a Arab, or Hispanic to be jealous of. Even rich blacks display jealousy. So, so this is from his letter. You can't. So you really can't stop it. No, this is what I'm saying. This is oh. my opinion. I'm saying I've seen. No, I mean, I've seen, seen everywhere. Everybody. Like whether whether it's the, the library, working in a library, working in the grocery store, or working in a hospital, working for the government. Just you when dealing with all types of personalities. Right. You see it in uh, families. You see it in friendships. You just. I mean, it's just, it's just yeah, and all it's groups just of happen. people. In it's, all groups, it's not, you know, it's all, all communities. It's all groups of people. It's, it's in whites, Asians, right. people, Every, but right. it's detrimental to us in particular because of the history right. that is a collective history that we share. Right. Number right. four, 
Why not to join an organization talking about black liberation? Black liberation organizations are about assimilation, not liberation. Liberation has to do with physical war. None of the organizations talk that. And when the time comes, they are disarmed disarmed, and allowed to have their rifles and pistols back with no ammo. But I thought you were about carrying, you having the right to get, but then they take and then they hand it back and you didn't. So why not to join an organization talking about black liberation? They are not about what one would think they are about. The definition of liberation, as we close this out so we can get to the movies, right? The act of setting someone free from enslavement, imprisonment, or or oppression, release. How would you go about freeing someone from uh, enslavement, imprisonment, or oppression, getting them or pushing to get them released, right? If you're talking about liberation. Right. Are we talking about mental enslavement as well? No, we, no, we're talking about because, you know, we're talking about physical. This is what liberation <laughs> is what we're talking about, right? right? So enslavement, imprisonment, or oppression. How would you get them released? Right. If they're behind walls and stuff. Right. You know, I got a letter from the government. Didn't they, who was that? A uh, few was it months ago? A couple of months ago? Was it El Chapo's? Um... They, they broke him out. Mm-hmm. They had broke him out, mm-hmm. but then they got him back. But they broke him out, right? But I got a letter from the government the other day, right? And then what about all I want to be is a soldier, a soldier. Tupac, both of them had songs about that, right? Right. This is not what black liberation theology is about. Black assimilation organizations are what they should be called. Plus, they are full of spies, agents, undercover. Okay. So people, that is are the reasons why not to join an organization that's talking is uh, talking black liberation because they're not really black liberation organizations. And it's always infiltrated. They are all the time. They right? are like with the Black Panthers. They right. were infiltrated. They were There's infiltrated. always and with and you know as we saw in the documentary, right? Uh, we the, you know I want to give it away. You have to watch yeah, don't it, give but. It yeah, so just in every case, there's something. There's always an infiltration. So it's really, it's really trying to get along. Quit beating me in my head, right. and all will be forgiven. That's right. really what uh, Black Liberation theology is about, people. Okay, people. So the first film, we got right. ten minutes. We're gonna get this all in. The photograph, yes. starring Issa Rae as May, the yeah. Keith Stanfield as Michael Block. Uh, Tiana Paris they didn't have her name somebody did very poor work on the IMDB page they did not list these names Uh, Little Rail Howie I don't know who he played Uh, Courtney B. Vance played the father Yolan Noel you know him from the first purge they didn't have his name up there and then Rob Morgan is Isaac Jefferson it's about a woman rediscovering her mother through a letter left with a photograph while a reporter finds interest in the same woman after a chance meeting with a love from her past, right? Um, 
It's in 2,516 theaters. It made, it's estimated to have made 12 million to 15 million. It cost 16 million to produce. So they're on pace to be a success. Go out there and see this film. Yeah. We have told you that already, right? Great, great film. Great film. Great okay. Film. So, so what did you think about the film? I mean, the film was like well written. Mm -hmm. The acting was great. The music was great. The cinematography, beautiful as well. I mean, definitely like one of the best films that I have seen. It's like on that list of best films that you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It's like up there. I mean, because, I don't know. It was just, I mean, I've seen many other, like, I've seen The Notebook, which was good. Love and Basketball was good. Um... What's the other film that's really good also with um with the soundtrack with Lorenz, Tate and um Oh Love Jones. Love Jones, which is also a good film, right? Those films are really good films. The photograph that film was just beautiful. And what I loved about it is although there were like other characters in their world, I loved how it really just like zoned in on those two. Mm-hmm. Right? And you know it's a good film when the movie ends, but it's just like, really, there's more of a story to be told. Yeah. And then you're, you know, and, um, because I was talking, you know, me and my cousin, we talked about it. And, like, in this film, it's like, you want to know, okay, well, what happened? I'm not going to get the film away. Okay, so what happened with, with them, you know, moving forward? Right? So, I mean, it's just... It's the film. We said it in the theater. I said, wow, where's the part two? Right. I need a part two. I need this to be like a, a mini series or something because I want to know how it turns out, right? So, I mean, just well done because anytime you're talking about the film afterwards, like in the theater, matter of fact, uh, people left out smiling and was happy. The energy was really great. I mean, it's just People love this film. I mean, it was just a different energy than and totally different. Some energy. of the other films that we saw uh, this year, right? Mm -hmm. This film is a love story. It's a love just story. Just period. And the music is just great, and it's just perfect, right? And um, you know what? Let me see. Uh, the person that did the music, I, you know, when I saw his name. I wasn't surprised, right? Because he does a great job. Like, his music is great. Like, what Robert, uh, I'm going to look it up, but I believe it's Robert, uh, is it Glasper? And um, when I saw his name, when they wrote the credits, I said, okay, I'm not surprised. Because, like, his music is great. So, what he did to the soundtrack, yeah, Robert Glasper. Yeah, so, yeah, the soundtrack, you have to get he the He did soundtrack. a beautiful job. It's like, if beautiful you like job. Love Jones, yeah. you will love this soundtrack. Right? Yeah. So, you, so, let's break this down by numbers. Okay. Use of color, okay. camera movement, cinematography, right. it's a 10. The way they cut from photographs to... Right. Live action, right. and you oh, let me continue. I mean, it's just beautiful. I mean, because speaking of the photographs, and not because the film is called The Photograph, if you love art and artwork, 
you're gonna really love this film because it's like a combination they it's artistic as well as a love story and it's all mushed together mm -hmm. on film this is just like moving art this movie we'll go ahead the storyline through line is 10 the use of flashback to real time on real time that's right. 10 right the intercutting of plot making the past storyline present beautifully done right. that's a 10 yeah. Character development and arcing, 10. Yeah. The pacing of the movie. Great. The pacing of the movie, though it, it wasn't an action movie, but the pacing of it is well so done. great. That's 10. It's so great. I'm like, the movie is, I mean, it's just like you wanted more. The writer is um, Stella Maggie. Mm-hmm. And we have to definitely give props to her because she did a great job. Mm -hmm. But go ahead, I'm sorry. The supporting characters, right. the children. There's a scene with the children that you have to see that is going to, it really sets the film up, right? Yeah. That's a 10. So what would you give the photograph? I would definitely give it a 10 across the board. You know, everything you said and, from, you know, what I said. But, I mean, when we saw the cast, right? Mm -hmm. So, Issa Rae, we love her on Insecure, right? Mm -hmm. And then Lakeith Stan Stanfield, just about, I don't know, I feel like every movie he's been in, we've reviewed. Yeah, so, he does a great job in selected films. Mm -hmm. um, uh, was it Yolanda? Yeah, Noel? Yolanda, also, Noel. we... We no, reviewed him from the purge. From the purge, reviewed his film on uh, Insecure. So yeah. his acting is great. So we we're familiar with him. And then um Calvin Harris Jr., right? Mm -hmm. From the Wave and what's the other movie that he's in? We talked about he did a great job with Octavia Space Spencer. Is it Loose? Loose. 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 Yeah. And the and wave. I mean, mm. you know, so we talked about him being a great uh with a breakout star. And um the cast, and is it uh Tiona is it Tiona Paris? Yeah, that's yeah, so, what yeah. And then we know her from um LeBron show that was is it Survivor's Remorse. Survivor's as well as she was in Spike Lee's film, um, is it Chirac. Chirac. As well as she's done a lot of work, you know. Yeah. And she's a great actress as well. Little Real. We know him. He's a, a funny comedian. We know him from Get Out as well as like a lot of other stuff. And, it, I mean, and this film cross sections a lot of people like people does. like Spike Lee's people. Right. Uh, 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 Glover's people. Yep. Um, uh, Issa Rae's people, right? So it's like a mixture. Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele's people. So all of them are coming together for this film and working together. It's good. It's not like it's sectioned off like yeah. it was in the nineties. And then you have like great actors like Rob Morgan, right? Right. Um, Courtney B. Vance, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so just a great cast. And then Jasmine um, Cyphus Jones. I know her from um, the show on um, it's on Showtime, and I can't think of the name of the show. And it's a really no, it's on HBO. I can't think of the name of the show now. And um, but yeah, she's a, a good actress too. And then Shantae Adams killed it as Christine in yeah. this film. She was you know, good. She was really good. So I mean, it was just a great 
cast okay. and just put them all together. So you gave it a 10? I gave it a 10. So okay. kudos to what Will Packer. Yeah, Will yeah. Packer. Yeah. Uh, that's a 10. Go see the photograph. Okay, people, Thanks. moving on. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with the Bloom House Fantasy Island. Yeah. Right? First, the twists and turns in this film. It is the best reimagining of an established brand yeah. I've seen. Right. Staying true to the folklore and mythos of Fantasy Island while bringing a multicultural advance to what we see on the screen. Because you know, Carto Montalban right. used many of his friends from the old from old Hollywood, right? He used Caucasians, helping them to be relevant coming from the 40s into the 80s. You know, the 80s were mm -hmm. like the late 30s, 40s, right. uh, 50s replay. Right. It played out in fashion. And every now and, and what, you get a black person. Right? Right, every every, right. But it played out what was in fashion on television. I was getting ready to say they had Sammy Davis Jr. He appeared a couple was of times. Was Lola Palano there too? I don't recall. I remember seeing her. I don't recall. Casting of uh, Bloom House's uh, Fantasy Island. Mm -hmm. Michael Penna as is Mr. Is, uh, Mr. Rourke. Yes. Uh, Parisa Fitz Henley yeah. as Julia. That's a uh, 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 Doctor. I mean, Mr. Rourke's assistant. Right. Okay. Um. Uh, Jerry uh, Ben is. Uh, Lila, okay. she's the daughter of uh, Robbie Jones, okay. who plays Rockland, okay. and Margaret D. Quingley as Elena, right? Okay. Portia Doubleday as Sonya, Jimmy O. Yang right. as Brax Weaver, right. Ryan um, Henson right. as Bradley, I can't read my name. Yeah, Maggie Q. Uh, uh, Lucy Hale right. as Melina, okay. Austin uh, Starwell as Randall, mm -hmm. and Michael Rooker as Morgan. Mm -hmm. He is, uh, if you know him from Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, he played mm -hmm. the person hunting down the, the main ship's oh, captain, yeah. right? Yeah. And then yeah. Kim Coates as Devilface. Right. Right? Right. Five, so the the the, the uh, synopsis, five excited guests right. to Fantasy Island arrive having won a contest right. to win a trip to Fantasy Island. It's more like they are chosen to be on Fantasy Island, right? right. They are introduced to Mr. Wark. The, mm -hmm. the ground rules are set and Fantasy Island, the Fantasy Island beginning, uh, the fantasies begin. Right. The pacing of the film because it's an established brand, right. the film make, takes no time in revving up the story, right. which begins festive but soon turns pale underbelly right. as each fantasy shifts to the unknown. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, this is a film. So, we, we've seen some great films yeah. over the Valentine's Day weekend. Yeah. But character arcing, 10. Yeah. Twists and turns, 10. Right. Pacing, no doldrums, 10. Utilization of the folklore, 10. Right. Quick context establishment. Right. Action sequences, 10. Right. The connective tissue between guests 
to the island, 10. Right. Secrets of the island exposed for the audience, 10. Yeah. Edits in the... Uh, Edits in the real time right. on uh, on the screen between reality and fantasy world ten. Right. Cinematography ten. Camera movement ten. Use of color and lighting ten. Special effects makeup ten. Right. Uh, Bloomhouse's Fantasy Island. What would you rate? I would definitely give it a ten across the board. Like I agree with everything you said, and I love how they say true to. The Fantasy Island, it's the television show, mm-hmm. and um, while bringing it forward, while bringing it forward, and then can I say, like, during the trailer, the audience, like, this is like what during the when did they start showing this? Maybe it was in the fall, or yeah. maybe during the summer last year. No, I think it was fall, it was in the fall. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the audience was so excited because everyone, most people grew up watching Fantasy Island, really liked the show. So in the theater, the theater was packed. People were excited and invested, and uh, Bloomhouse yeah. did not uh, disappoint at all. Great yeah, man. came out, asked the guy, I said, "How did you like it? He liked it. I said, "How you like yeah. it compared to the original?" I said, "He never saw the original. He was in his 30s. Yeah. I said, "Well, the original they are all Caucasian, so this is definitely an advance." Anyway, I give it a ten. Yes, sir. So moving right along, people, to our last review of the night. This has been a jam-packed show. I promised you there would be a jam-packed show. And the last film for the review tonight, because we've seen great films, and this is no no different whatsoever. Sonic the Hedgehog. First off, again, a multicultural cast representing the fanship of Sonic the Hedgehog cast. Ben Schwartz. He's the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. Tika Sumter as Maddie Wachowski. Right. James uh, Marsden as Tom Wachowski. Uh, Jim Carrey as Dr. Ivo uh, Robotnik. Uh, Natasha Rothwell as Rachel. And Melody Nosfio uh, Neiman. I'm just going to say Melody Neiman as Jojo, right? Sonic is by himself on Earth. This is synopsis. But through years of observation, he's come to see the Wachowskis as family. A moment of sadness and frustration causes... Uh, causes all to meet and the movie kicks off from there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sonic is hilarious. He it is. is hilarious. It is a laugh it is. almost a second. Yeah. It wouldn't be oh the my movie gosh. it Carrey. is without Jim Carrey's Jim Carrey. Dr. Ivo yeah. Robotnik. Yeah. The villain is ample yeah. the villain is ample work for Schwartz quick wit Sonic, right. right? Carrie's ability to play opposite CGI okay. and with it uh, and with it appears no difficulty right. playing opposite Tika Sumter and yeah. James Marsden right. makes Sonic the Hedgehog movie what it is. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Without Jim Carrey playing this role, yeah, he killed we, we, we don't know what Sonic the Hedgehog... It was funny because Sonic had personality. Yeah, he did. All the characters All had the personality. Characters, but job. it was Jim Carrey that carried the movie. Yeah. Right? right? 
playing opposite. So you have to give kudos to him, right? So let's break this down by the numbers. CGI green screen 10, right? Storyline plot through line 10. Arc of characters 10. The hilariousness of the film 10. Yes. The believability of the movie 10. Pacing, no doldrums 10. Pure entertainment value 10. Multicultural movie meter. It's a 10. Yeah, I would give it a 10, too, across the board. Well done. I mean, the audience was cracking up. You had adults. You had children. Love this film. They did an excellent job. Oh, yeah. So I, definitely I, go see Sonic. And you don't even have to have children to go see this film because it's just hilarious from beginning hilarious to end. Hilarious from beginning to end, yeah. right? Man, let me tell you. Uh, so that's three great movies to see. Yeah. During the week that was or nice. this weekend coming yeah, up. Yeah, to have right? three great films. You know, Valentine's Day weekend. So they brought it. Don't great forget, films. people. We have the film review t-shirts. Let me bring this over, right? right. Become a member of the film review. Right. You can go right on to lordlandfilms.com. That's lordlandfilms.com. Right. And you can learn how to become a member of the film review. The t-shirt will get out to you faster than you think right. and you will become a member and you will be kept up on information events right. all that as we kick that into full gear right right and then let me say this real quick let me move that over because we're running out of time don't forget to watch and listen to all of the all of the uh music review shows right right, right. and we also released the volume one of DJ Routine Show. Right. Right? right. So this has been another great episode of the yes. film review. Movies, music, culture, politics, and society. Yes. We are the husband and wife team. I'm Crazy D. I'm Tracy. And we review movies, music, culture, politics, and society. And we will see you next time yes. on the film review. The film review. Movies, music, culture, politics, society podcast. Interviews, movie reviews, and more. Live Sundays at 5.30 p.m. on Facebook at Crazon Dion. Hey, everybody. This is Lunell, the original bad girl of comedy. I'm here at the Link Promenade in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're watching the film review. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.